I want you to turn with me, if you would, in the Bible to the book of Matthew. And uh, even though I have a bit of a cough and I apologize early on, uh, Sister French doesn't usually uh, want me to preach with cough drops, but I got special dispensation today because I can, bear, I can barely talk without coughing. So uh, she's agreed that this must be the will of God today that I will be able to preach with uh, with uh, the help of the Lord in Hall's conference. The Gospel of Matthew, if you'll turn with me, Matthew 14 and 13. I'm going to read a few verses here. Very familiar. We're in days of rising acrimony and hatred. Our culture is really in turmoil. There's a growing, the word I keep hearing is incivility, but it's way worse than that. We're in a culture that needs God desperately in disregard of others. I keep hearing of, it doesn't matter where you are or what part of the country, we're just in a culture that's lost its way, and we need to hear from the Lord. So we're going to read from Matthew 14. And verse 13, and when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place. What he had heard of was that John had been beheaded and that the disciples had gone and helped to secure his burial. The Bible says Jesus immediately then departed by a ship into a desert place. And when say a desert place, and when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. That's a lot of walking. When Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came unto him. He prayed all day. And let me tell you, being a minister, and we can be in just a, a place like this and just spending hours of praying with people and, and uh, the move of God and so on, it can be tremendously exhausting. But to go all day long and then late into the evening, and they had no food. Evening, it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. So you can imagine the look on their face when, of course, there was no food. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the fragments that remained, 12 baskets full. And they that had eaten those five loaves and two fishes were about 5,000 men beside women and children. My message today is entitled, Love's Miraculous Breakthrough. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Love can break through any wall and any circumstance. I want us to put our Bibles down and let's pray and ask God to break through some walls here this morning. Lord, as we prepare for Thanksgiving and our hearts are praising you, Lord, I ask you to let the mighty power of God rest upon this service. Lord, the devil is a loser. He cannot win. 
Lord, you are giving us victory after victory. Every battle, Lord, you are fighting with us, and we thank you for it. And ask God that you will anoint, Lord. Someone today is awaiting the touch of God in their lives, and we give you praise for it. Let's clap our hands one more time and give God the praise. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. And you may be seated. Love's miraculous breakthrough. So this occasion that we've read about here in Matthew 14 is an example of God's love and compassion. He saw them hungry, all those thousands of people. I've often thought that must have been somewhere between 15, maybe 15,000 people. The kids were there, the wives were there, 5,000 men. And uh, so it was that God had compassion on them. And we know that God cares for each of you here today. And he demonstrates his miraculous power in our lives, not just by making us a better people or making us good citizens or uh, giving us things, but he actually enters into our lives that in the midst of our circumstance and somebody today needs more of God today than anything else that they need in this world. Someone sitting in this building today needs to break into the presence of God. You don't need to say, well, I don't understand Pentecost, or I don't know, I'm not used to loud churches, or I'm not used to people jumping around and praising God. Well, you'll get used to it around here because we do quite a bit of it. But what we do is we just praise the Lord, and we magnify God. This is a world that's trying to make their own way with politics and, and all of the things that they think will bring them answers. But your answer is not found in this world. Your answer is not found in all the monies you can build. You can, put, you can fill the banks up with your money and it will never be enough. And so it is that we need to see that it was God's love for people that were unworthy. It was people he did not know, but he loved them. We can't even get fathers to love their children or, or, or husbands to love their wives. We're in a world where there's all kinds of chaos. But there is a love and a compassion that passes all understanding. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Good preaching, Brother French. Somebody needs to break through into the love of God once more and let God Fill that void. And everyone said amen. So our story here today in Matthew 14 demonstrates the love of Jesus for everyone in a very unique and interesting way. Feeding 5,000 plus people with just a, basically nothing. He, he took the little bit that was there. And of course, there's a great deal of sermon and great deal of truth in the fact that he used the little bit of bread. All that's true. But it was basically nothing. But God is able to take the nothing in your life and he can break through miraculously into your life. For example, there are people today that listen to the word of God and they don't believe a word of it. They think that preacher so... He's just a tall preacher that's up there. He's just a, whoa, he just thinks he's got, he's got a brand new suit the, the church bought him. And that's, that's, that's what's happening here. Someone, one, one, this was not a sinner, but if someone didn't believe in Pentecost, uh, another preacher from another church, they, they don't get very loud there. And uh, he was saying, well, y'all get kind of loud. And I said, well, y'all get kind of quiet. 
we just talk. It was just a conversation. And, uh, and so I was, we were dis- discussing the, the, which was more valid, being very, very quiet or being very, very loud, or did it matter and so on. And we were just talking. I said, sometimes we're very, very quiet. Before everybody gets there, it's very quiet. And, and uh, no, I'm just kidding. But you, you know what I'm saying. But, but let me tell you, my friend, there's somebody today that says, I don't see it. I don't understand it. I don't even believe. Now, I teach several languages. I've, I've got a degree in, in ancient language, and I teach Hebrew, Latin, and a few other languages nobody cares in the entire world. But I can tell you right now, that the day I received the Holy Ghost and my dad was out on a drunk somewhere and I began to speak in tongues and I did not know what I was saying. It was a miracle of the Holy Ghost getting a hold of me and it turned my life around. Years later, my own dad came to the, to the church himself a drunk and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And so it is today God is able through his love because he loved you when you could care less about him. He loves you when you didn't have any interest whatsoever. He loved you when you were vile. He loved you when you were absolutely turning your back on God. We're in a culture that has turned its back on God. And yet God is still pouring the Holy Ghost out all over this nation. A lot of these godless professors wonder, why in the world there are Christians everywhere? I can tell you why. Because God is still loving people and drawing them from where they were. And so it's in a very powerful way the love of God was manifest even in this story. Now, he loved you when you didn't love him back. He loved me when I didn't love him back. I didn't even know him. Many people don't. Uh, even know who God is or, or what he is or they think well there might be a God there might, someone said there might be a higher power and whatever sort of a theology or a thought they just wonder they don't know God at all before you ever were moved by God before you ever felt or knew of God he already loved you he loved you before you ever thought about the creator of the universe maybe you thought the dinosaur bones in the earth was full proof there could never be a god and then one day you saw your baby's little hands and 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 felt his skin on your face and you begin to wonder there might just be a god Maybe this baby does have a future beyond just the, this little bit he's living. And maybe there's something more than the breath I'm breathing. Somebody told me some time ago that he was no different than a dog. And I said, well, I think of you better than that. I'm trying to be very careful. We talked about a lot of things. Uh, and, of course, when he said he was no better than a dog, I could have really made, a, I could have really made that interesting. What he meant, of course, is that a dog just dies and that's it and nothing to it. That's what he really meant. But I said, you see, God loves you more than you love yourself. Because he made you to live forever. Someone said, well, we evolved into this point. Well, prove it. But the point is, you did not evolve to this point. We don't have monkeys over in trees and us over here in buildings because we just evolved into this. No, my friend. God made the heavens and the earth, and he made man in his image, and he loved him. 
He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Ooh, hallelujah. So the world loves all the wrong things. And they're looking in all the wrong places for love. They claim this and that's love. That's not love at all. That's the day we live in. I don't mean they don't mean to find love. I don't mean they're not searching for love. But they're finding it in all the wrong places and they are not finding true, genuine love. I mean, just think of the racism and think of the uh, in, uh, inescapable uh, incivility and the things that are impacting people's lives this very day in our, in our own nation. We live someone said, Brother French, I don't like you preaching like that. You didn't call me to preach. I'm here to preach, thus saith the word of the Lord. God is able to change America and make us what we ought to be. God can change us. Woo! Hallelujah. I'm feeling a mighty touch of the Holy Spirit. I want us to lift our hands one more time and let's just praise Him a little bit. Father, you loved us. You cared about us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So the world loves all the wrong things. This young man the other day that said, well, I love, the, I love these drugs I'm taking. Illicit, illegal, destructive drugs. I said, yeah, but look at your teeth. They're rotting your teeth out right now. That's what's wrong with your teeth right now. Well, I know, I, I know, but I, they told me I could do so-and-so and... I said, uh, so you love, you love those drugs. I said, so what if you could switch in your mind? Listen, folks, if you can love a drug that's destroying your body, what if you could switch that? Like, I know it's not possible. You, we're just talking here. Well, I'm talking. And you could throw a switch and say, wait, well, I've got to change what I love here. And so you switch it over to, I think I'll love God, and then switch it over there. You've been loving the, the heroin so much so that you can hardly stand it. Uh, I know because my brother used to pump it into his arms. And uh, you, you think, oh, this, is really, this really makes me feel good. Most people say it's because it makes me feel good. But what if I could tell you there's a God that loves you, that you're going to feel good, and your arms are safe. And your future safe because God loves you, my friend. You may not love him, but he loves you. You will never, 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 never. You will never get away from the love of God. You say, I'll just walk out. That's it. No, never. You have entered into the sanctuary of a holy God. He's talking to you and you will remember it like they remembered it this day when a little fish, that little fish. Now my fish multiply also. When I go fishing, they multiply. <laughs> Sister French, she's over there preaching. She's doing this. One thing to, they all claimed that one time we were fishing. Where was that? And I, I thought I had a whopper and it was that big. And I pulled it up 
Was that? Where was that? I love to fish. Lake Wisconsin. And I kept going, oh, it's, it's Moby Dick. And I was. That was a very embarrassing moment. I really don't know why I'm telling it. Just imagine those disciples holding bread that's growing, multiplying in their hands. But I want to tell you something. God is able to take that drunkard. One day I was there when it happened. And I guess I ought to know. He walked into the house of God. He walked up the aisle. And he stood right, not this building, but one just like it. He stood right there. And the Holy Ghost fell on him. And he got to talking in tongues. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. God broke through. Love miraculously broke through. God is able to break into our lives. I earned a PhD from the University of Birmingham in England, and there was a fellow there that was working on his PhD at the same time, and uh, he was doing a, uh, his uh, entire doctorate on that God didn't really exist. And I was, and I was there doing my whole doctorate on... Uh, well, Pentecostal faith, I guess you could say. So we talk once in a while. And I kind of, one day I said, so you don't think God exists at all? It's not even, I said, well, why do so many people, I mean, how do you account for all the churches? In America, we've got 400,000 churches. I said, the Pentecostal church is going so fast. I mean, you may not even believe in speaking in tongues, but I mean, we're talking a church going faster than, than any church in the history of the world. It's literally you. I'm telling you, folks, you could go to any nation under the sun and they're getting the Holy Ghost. They're, they're getting baptized in Jesus' name. So I was trying to encourage him. And I said, well, how do you account for that? So many, I mean, I know that you could say, well, you know, some of us are fake and some of us are this. I mean, you know, there's answers, but, but I just wonder what you think because you're doing your Ph.D. on it. He was telling, well, I, that we, we had a lot of conversation. And, and he said, well, th- that's because people are so uh, stupid. That's what he said to me. People are so stupid. Of course, he was at a university. He was at the largest university in all of Europe. I was there. I didn't live there, but I traveled there repeatedly and studied and, and eventually published a work on why it doesn't matter the color of your skin. I called it early interracial Pentecost. Why it was that Pentecostals grew, it was because they didn't care who you were. They didn't care what you'd done. They didn't care if you were in prison. They didn't care if you had an education. They didn't care if you had money. They just cared that Jesus loves you and I love you. And his answer was, people are so stupid. By the way, folks, that's not an answer. That's no answer. I said, well, I would hate to think that I base my whole intellectual future hoping that people are so ignorant that that's why you are right because they're all so ignorant. 
So then we entered into the discussion, well, why do people worship uh, other, in other religions? Surely, I mean, what is it that causes that? He said, well, people are just, that's just because they, they, need, uh, they need to worship God, a God. And I said, oh, okay, I, I knew this was coming. And, and so one day we just talked about, why do people need to worship a God that doesn't exist? I mean, what, where'd that need? It can't be evolution. Because evolution, what they tell us in the, in the scientific community, is that evolution is the process of adapting to what is actually there. So if there's no God there, you wouldn't be adapting to that. So is it psychological? And then you go into, oh, let me tell you something, my friend. I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm trying to tell you from my heart. You are far better off to follow your heart than to listen to the intellectuals that tell you don't worry about it. It's nothing there. When your soul is hungry and you're thirsty, I'm telling you there is a God that can fill you. There is a God that has exactly what you need. Hallelujah. So, here we are in a world, this world, and everything that it offers, and it, it can't satisfy. It can't satisfy. The reason marriage can be fulfilling is because God puts love into our hearts so that we can love someone. To, to defile love in a way when you actually hate people, but you call it love, or you don't even know them and you call it love, that's destructive because no such thing. That's, that's vile. There's no, there's no purpose. There. All that is is self-fulfillment. But I can tell you that even if you're a drug addict or a murderer, if you face jail time, if you have no father or mother, you have no hope, you have no place to turn, there is someone that loves you. He loves you. You don't know him, but he knows you. And he can satisfy your soul. Now we can argue till the sun burns out whether their people have souls and, and uh, so forth. But you have a soul. The Bible says that men love this present world. They love the things in the world. That's why we give uh, like entertainers and rich people. We think they're uh, extra special or something. I don't mean to degrade them. If they've done well, they've done well. But that doesn't make them better than you because they happen to be rich. There are people that are the poorest of the poor and they're the finest of the fine. But see, we're in a culture that says no. And so because they love the world, they forsake the very thing that they need. They love this world or they love, the, the Bible says they love the, uh, the uh, this is King James, they love the praise of men. They want people to praise them. But I'm telling you today that you can receive the love of God regardless of what men say. If you believe God and you put your trust in Him, you break through every barrier. Everything the devil says you cannot have, suddenly it becomes yours. You say, I'm putting my faith in God. I'm going to put my faith in God. Now, you love your heroine, then why, why couldn't you take that same desire to love something and say, wait a minute, that's not worthy of my love, but 
there is something that's worthy of my love. And that is the God that made you. They need God, but they love the empty pleasures of sin. They even crucified the Son of God who loved them. Think of it. He did nothing but good, yet they killed him. They crucified the Son of God. You say, I don't believe he's the Son of God. But he loved you. You don't have to believe it. God is loving you regardless. Now you can die of an overdose regardless. But he's going to love you. I'm telling you, the minute you fall, my brother uh, nearly died from an overdose. And they left him for hours with the needle still in his arm. one of the things that drove him to God within a few weeks of that incident he uh, of course my folks were divorced and he lived about a thousand miles from me and but I'd received the Holy Ghost and I'd called him and told him you know I've got the Holy Ghost I'm speaking in tongues he said in other words you've lost your mind and I said no you're the one that's lost your mind you're on drugs I mean he was one of the smartest people you'd ever meet and was taking drugs that was literally killing him. But when he woke up from that overdose and his arm was just a black and blue and, and the needle still there. When he got up from that, the first thing that came to his mind, because we weren't raised together basically. He was raised by my dad. And uh, my, my actual, my real dad. And when he saw that and he, he realized he nearly died from an overdose got up and he walked to the car he lived through it and the first thing that came to his mind if there's a God if there's a God and then he remembered oh my cuckoo brother is in some weirdo church down in Arkansas where they talk in whatever languages or whatever and I said no no treatise we're all normal names I, my oldest brother's Thaddeus and then he was Treatise, and my name is Talmadge. So we're just common, ordinary <laughs> list of names. And the first thing on his mind was if there's a God, if there's a God. He called down and he said, Talmadge, I don't know what's going on. I think I'm losing my mind. I said, you're getting ready to get the Holy Ghost. That's what's happening to you. He said, that sounds very spooky. I said, well, it's not. All you have to do is tell the Lord. He went a little yellow Toyota. And he went out and got in it. And he had a Bible under there. He, he, he admitted later he had it under there for quite a while. And he said... I pulled that Bible out and I looked at it and I said, oh my goodness, I can't, that, 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 that's another language. And he sat it down and he said, Lord, if you're real, I have to know it. Because I'm at the end of my rope. I, I don't know if I want to live another day. I've almost killed myself as it is. And, he's, and all of a sudden, as he was praying, when well, talking to God in this way, or what he hoped was God. 
he called me up and he said, you're not going to believe what's happened to me. I'm in my Toyota. He was going to Big Rapids University. And he said, I pulled up to the dorm and I just stopped and I said, Lord, I don't know what you want me to do, but I'm willing. And he said, all of a sudden, I began to be unable to control my speech. And he said, even now, I, I could not stop talking gibberish. He's, I said, what, 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 like what? Did it sound like a language? It sounded like I was talking gibberish. And I would try to stop. And then I would start talking gibberish. And he said, I would start trembling. I said, okay, hold it. Stop. Turn the car off. Turn the car off right now. I don't want you going into a ditch. He said, I said, what you just got is the Holy Ghost. He just filled you, and you are speaking in other tongues. I said, you need to let it flow. And the next thing he did, he, he, he grabbed his camels, which are cigarettes, if you don't know that. He grabbed his camels, and he twisted them like that, and he threw them in the gutter. I said, get in your car. Tell Dad you're leaving, and head down here. So he got in his car. He drove all night long. He said he talked in tongues, and he said, he said telling the Lord, I'm going to be a preacher, all these things. He don't know God for three minutes. And so... Uh, and of course I was going to lay hands on him as soon as he got to the door I mean lay both hands on him now none of my folks were Christians so he's coming to my house I was the only Pentecostal in the the family and so when he got there he came to the door and I was like it's Joel, it's Joel, it's Joel so I went to the door and opened it up and there he stood and he was soaking wet from head to toe and I couldn't I was like are you okay Yes, man, I made it. I said, but you're soaking wet. Your hair, it's dripping. Your face, it's dripping off your nose. I know. Oh, it's wonderful. I said, yes, I know, but what is wrong? Why are you soaking wet? He said, well, I got baptized. (laughs) You got baptized. Well, who baptized you? You've just come from Michigan all the way down into Memphis here. And you're soaking wet. It must have had to be very recent. Oh, he said it was just out, right over, outside that creek out there. I said, but who baptized you? He said, nobody. I ran, I grabbed a branch, and I said, I baptized myself! <laughs> That's what he did. He tries to get me to not tell this. He baptized himself. And I said, well, hallelujah. You're going to get to be baptized all over again. But at least you're trying. Hallelujah. God is able to break through the walls of our doubt and give us exactly what we need. He can atone for your sin and bring you from death into life. Hallelujah. I want to remind you that it was the Savior who taught a vicious world to love your enemies. This is a powerful lesson. It formed the basis of one of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s greatest sermons. 
Love your enemies from Matthew chapter 5. And it's one of my favorite sermons in the world. And this is because it is such a powerful truth. You need and I need his supply that comes from a God that loves us when we're completely and totally unworthy. So 5,000 came along hungering to receive spiritual help from Jesus And they end up in the desert physically hungry with their children. And so hurry, we say, and send them away. They've got to get back. The McDonald's closes at 8. And so they're going to have to hurry to get back. And Jesus says, no, no. This is all happening for a reason. We could say it's happening because of us here today. Before it's too late, there's a miraculous breakthrough imminent. Jesus says, have them all sit on the grass. We can only imagine what was going through their minds. We know for sure the Bible tells us that the disciples were stupefied because Jesus said, you want us to feed them with no food? And he said, yes, have them sit down. I'm, I'm getting ready to show you what the love God has for them can do. Now, today you may not believe in the miraculous. I've had a son with cancer and another son that had open heart surgeries. And and so I'm just going to tell you, I don't need a theologian to tell me that my God is a healer. I know he's a healer. I don't need someone to tell me that's got a Ph.D. from Mars that God cannot do the miraculous because he can. He took the five loaves and a couple fish and it suddenly began to multiply right before their eyes. And that crowd feasted in the desert because God's love enveloped them and their hunger for him. And he broke through miraculously into their lives. And so it is this Thanksgiving. We're getting ready to feast, and I hope you're blessed. I truly do. But you need more than a turkey, my friend, to be blessed. If you could listen to the voice of heaven in your heart, Something is getting ready to break open and God is getting ready to deliver you from every chain that holds you back. Could we stand together all across this sanctuary?